Welcome to episode 290 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiathurlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, AKA it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration and electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean without unnecessary fillers and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast to get your free electrolytes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 290 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, Melanie, how are you? I'm good. I started last podcast off with a question, but I have another question for you for this podcast. How is your creatine going? Good. It's uh, we're officially told that it'll be out before Thanksgiving. I keep getting these vague, <laughs> these vague ideas, and we'll make sure we link up the link to the wait list for creatine so that we can ensure people that are most interested in receiving it. But yes, things are moving forward in a in a quick direction. I'm I'm like hopeful that everything will be out by mid November. That's what I'm assured will happen. So it's very exciting. Why did you choose creatine as your first supplement? I think because 
you know, what's really been a struggle for me as a middle-aged woman is not only, you know, the muscle piece, it's so much harder to maintain and build muscle in perimenopause and menopause. And the more research I dove into and the more I talked to colleagues of mine, like Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, the more I realized I was like, this is a huge issue for women. And so last year I started taking creatine. And in my stories this past week, I actually put like objectively, like how I've been able to increase the weight week to week and my trainers like thrilled. And so you know, from my perspective, I, I think for a lot of women, one of the things we have to work very diligently and actively on is not just muscle health, but also brain health. And those are the two key areas with regard to creatine that for me, I think are really compelling. And, you know, I think my second, I, I really believe I just did a great podcast with Dr. Barry Tan talking the, about the value of a certain type of vitamin E, it's tocotrienols. And so the, the supplementation with that is actually really beneficial for bone health, like significant improvement in bone health. And so I, I think my first couple of products are going to be really be geared towards helping women find supplements that can be beneficial at different stages of our lives, but also make them accessible so that it's not like I, I'm going to take all the, the research and, and really understand it so that I can then provide information and say, hey, listen, I myself have no interest in ever being diagnosed with osteoporosis, but I'm doing all the things along with supplementation with these tocotrienols, which is a form of vitamin E, and taking creatine to help maintain muscle and bone health, which we know is really, really important. And honest to God, I never thought about it until I was probably 45. And I want younger people to think about it before that time period. And I want people that are older than me to have options that aren't surrounding, you know, the latest potion pillar powder, which you and I both know is proliferative in the health and wellness space. I cannot agree anymore. And yeah, it's interesting about the creatine. It's something that I honestly, I think I just disregarded for a very long time because I eat such a high protein diet that all of the amino acid related things I've been like, eh, well, I probably am getting enough. But I've been hearing more and more it pop up on so many conversations on different podcasts. Like, you know, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, like you mentioned, talking about it a lot. When Lane Norton was on either Rogan or Peter Tia, he talked about it at length. And I keep seeing it pop up other places too. And I'm like, oh, you know, I think this is something I should be supplementing with. And the timing of it is just working really well. And that I'll just I'll just start with yours because I know that <laughs> I know it'll be the best on the market. So I'm very excited for that. No, I appreciate all of your support. You for everyone that knows, Melanie and I are each other's biggest cheerleaders, and that's totally genuine. And, you know, I love seeing what you've been able to build in your business and how many people you've been able to help with your supplement line. I'm just excited that, yeah, together we can maybe make a change because like you mentioned, it's such a sketchy world, the supplement industry. And I already knew that before making my own, which is a reason I wanted to make my own. But now actually being in the process, it's like my eyes are being opened and I've just learned so much. So yeah, listeners, definitely vet the supplements that you're taking. And actually speaking to the vitamin E, because I know that I think there's like eight forms of vitamin E. So how do people know which form to get? Yeah. So it's, it's, so the derivative are tocotrienols. And so what's interesting is these are derived from a plant in South America. I mean, Dr. Tan's like whole explanation just blew my mind. He was there in South America to do something else. And he stumbled upon this plant called a natto. And so a natto is 
the derivation of this particular tocotrienol. And there is so much research being done on this derivative. It helps in metabolic health. There are cancer, anti-cancer benefits. There are bone health ish, you know, bone health benefits. And so, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, sometimes podcast guests end up on our podcast schedule. And, and maybe at the time you don't really, you're not fully familiarized with who they are or their research or their areas of expertise. And as I was prepping, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually really, really interesting. And how do we make it accessible? to everyone so that people can walk away from a podcast and be able to take action. Dr. Tan actually has, I don't know when his podcast, it should be out in November, but he actually has a book on his website that's totally free. So people can read the research and read his information. He's just passionate about being able to help people. And, you know, he's using gold standard research. It's not epidemiologic research. It's, you know, double placebo blinded trials. And, it, and it's interesting that something I thought I would have no interest in has now become something I'm incredibly interested in. So his podcast will be out in November. I forget which date. Oh, no, no. His podcast just came out. What am I saying? It was last weekend. I'm getting all my dates mixed up, Melanie. So that podcast dropped last weekend and we've gotten so much good feedback. And even though you know, someone else who had interviewed him said, oh, you know, his accent's kind of heavy. It's not. He's He's got a wonderful sense of humor. He's so passionate. He's like a derivative of Rick Johnson. Like he's that passionate. He's so like warm and just, you can't help but love him. And so I, I got off and thought to myself, I have to bring him back to talk about another topic because we didn't we really touch on cancer research. But the long explanation of this is that I do think that there's a lot of value. Like I started taking Natto a few months ago and I haven't repeated my DEXA, but I'll be interested to see what that looks like because I've been staunchly opposed to using you know, biphosphates, which for anyone that's listening, a lot of the bone building drugs actually, they technically they they build more bone, but it's not strong bone. And so they're, you know, what got people concerned about them as a dentist, we're seeing a lot of mandibular necroses. So bone in the jaw being really like spongy. And so there's no drug that's without side effects. So to find something that has the potentiality of really improving the quality of bone, because people may not know this, but like teenagers, as they're growing, they, they have this acceleration of bone building potentiality in their bone for so many years because they're growing, right? And what happens in menopause is that the opposite happens. Like you've got more bone destruction than you do bone building. And this is why women in menopause really are at great risk for weakened bones, falling and breaking bones, progressing to osteoporosis, which is what we want to avoid if you're a thin Caucasian woman, you're probably already at risk for osteopenia, but you can't compare my bone strength at 51 to someone who's 20. It's it's like not a good comparison. And so I remind people all the time that you can do all the right things, but some of us need a little bit more support. And that's another reason why I think testosterone therapy is not something to fear if you get to a point where that helps you maintain, you know, bone mass. That's another contributor. We actually have testosterone receptors on our bones as well as estradiol and progesterone. And I think a lot of people forget that, that it's that loss of hormones that really start to accelerate bone turnover in a negative way in menopause. Yeah. I'm so happy you're drawing attention to this because I think it's something people just don't think about a lot. People seem to think that bone is like static or fixed, not that it's like this living tissue that all the processes that, that you mentioned and, you know, how much that can be affected by diet and lifestyle. 
So now I'm just voting. I, I vote that you make vitamin E as your second supplement. That natto. What? A natto? A natto. Mm-hmm. A natto. I got to find a, a good one. Okay. Shall we jump into some questions for today? This is a question from Charles. Subject is safe tanning bed. Have you come across a safe tanning bed for home use? I believe what I'm looking for might be called a hybrid tanning bed. I live in Chicago and there are several months where I can't get good sun exposure. I'm not interested in tanning, just exposure to light spectrums that could mimic what could be attained from the sun. I believe there are beds that can provide UVA, UVB, and even some red light therapy. All right, Charles, thank you for your question. Thank you for your controversial question. I feel like people get intense about this question. So I looked up the hybrid tanning bed thing and what I found, it looks like it's a bed that combines normal tanning rays, like potentially just UVB, but maybe UVA as well with the red light therapy. So that's all I could find on on that specifically. So my thoughts on this are, well, A, at home tanning beds, all I can speak to is what you would look for in a tanning bed. And if you are using it therapeutically for the benefit of you know vitamin D production. And the reason I wanted to answer this question around now is because this airs on November 7th. So, you know, getting colder, less sunlight. And I believe vitamin D levels are so, so important to our overall immunity and our health in general. People think vitamin D is a vitamin, but it's actually a hormone. And the book I'm reading right now, actually, I'm prepping to interview a woman, Dr. Heather Mode. She wrote a book called The Immunotype Breakthrough balance your immune system, optimize health, and build lifelong resistance. I am loving it. It's a really deep dive into the immune system. I'm learning so much. But I was actually reading the, the section last night about vitamin D. She you know, makes the argument that it is the most important nutrient when it comes to the immune system. Actually, every single cell of the immune system has a vitamin D receptor. So it's so, so important. And then the stats on vitamin D levels and health are really shocking. And I think they really came into play, especially with COVID, because then they started doing more studies on, you know, COVID mortality or COVID outcome rates and vitamin D levels. And there was a really strong correlation there with, you know, lower vitamin D levels being problematic for that. So the point of that is that I think getting vitamin D from the sun or UV rays likely can have some benefits extending a little bit beyond a vitamin D supplement, which is also an option as well. And you can also get vitamin D from some foods, but you know, not in huge amounts. So what I actually do, and again, this is controversial and I'm not recommending this as a blanket statement and I don't take skin cancer lightly, but UVB is the ray that actually stimulates the production of vitamin D in your body. UVA is the ray that actually gives you that tan effect. So it works well because tanning beds tend to be more expensive when they're more UVA because people want to get it for the the tan, but it's actually the UVB that you want. And so you'll often find that the cheaper beds are UVB beds. So what I often do or have done in the past, although I just got my inside tracker results back and my vitamin D level is too high. I think I've been supplementing too much, but I will get a membership and at Palm Beach Tan, they actually have a pretty good setup where you can get credits and I just use it in the UVB bed. And I would literally in the winter go in for literally like two or three minutes in the UVB only bed. 
So that's a personal choice. I cover my face. Yes, that's a personal choice. So I can't really speak to at-home tanning beds. I assume you could get a UVB tanning bed at home and try that. The red light though is, it would have completely different therapeutic benefits. And of course, for red light therapy, we absolutely adore Juve. I do use red light therapy every single day of my life. It's one of my favorite things. And it's really great for skin health, also for reducing inflammation, red light and near infrared. It can help with muscle recovery. I use it for circadian regulation. So waking up in the morning and going to bed at night. So if you go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast, you will get a limited time discount. That's J-O-O-V-V.com. And I think they're going to have some pretty amazing deals for Black Friday. So if you've been thinking about getting one, now might be the time or upcoming might be the time. So yes, I'm very curious, Cynthia, what are your thoughts on tanning beds? Well, I'm not a fan of tanning beds, but for people that are looking for light exposure, especially people that are more prone to seasonal affective disorder, I like Luxbox. So it's L-U-X and you can get them on even Amazon and, and you know, a certain amount of exposure in the morning can be hugely helpful. And for anyone that's north of Atlanta, which is most of the United States, you don't get enough sun exposure. It's not just the Midwest, you know, areas of the country where it's really cold in the winters. So I generally recommend that they get a Lux box. And then just getting sunlight exposure in the morning can be hugely helpful. The way to think about UVA and UVB light is to understand that UVA light is aging. It will age your skin and UVB light can burn you. So just to kind of differentiate that those are the two, like the UV lights are what I'm more familiar with. Melanie is absolutely the expert on red light therapies, much more so than I am. I actually really like my PMF mat, but that's a completely separate tangential rabbit hole that I'm going to avoid. So I would say Luxbox is what's going to be most helpful if you're feeling like you need some seasonal, if you're prone to like depression and just otherwise not feeling good during wintertime because you're not getting a lot of sunlight exposure, a Luxbox is not going to, it's not going to give you multiple spectrums of light, but it can definitely help if you feel like that light exposure piece is impacting your mood. And it wasn't clear from Charles's question if that was of issue, but I just wanted to, this was like a general recommendation I do with a lot of my patients in winter. Yeah, I think that's great. I actually use a, um, it's not the Lux box brand. Mine is called Daylight. I got it on Amazon. I can put a link to it in the show notes. It's on right now. So I use that and my red light every day and I, I love it. Hi friends. We are so honored to be sponsored in part today by Nutrisense. You guys hear us talk about continuous glucose monitors, aka CGMs, all the time on this show. And in particular, we love NutriSense, and here is why. NutriSense not only provides a 24-7 moving picture of your glucose values, they also offer a unique opportunity for self-discovery. So imagine this. You have a meal, and then you notice a spike in your glucose levels. So you think, hmm, that didn't go well. But here's the magic. Tomorrow, you can make a simple change. You can swap whatever you were eating for something else. Now you have real-time data to evaluate the impact. Maybe instead of that fruit, you have some vegetables. Maybe instead of that oatmeal, you have some yogurt. Maybe instead of that steak, you have some fruit. The continuous feedback loop that you can get with a NutriSense CGM empowers you to make quick, informed iterations with your meals. Maybe the change results in a completely normal glucose level, or maybe it's still a little bit high, but significantly better. 
Armed with this knowledge, you can refine your choices further, rapidly steering your glucose values back to the normal range. Without a continuous glucose monitor, honestly, you're just guessing and assuming that what you're doing is working. And when you go test your blood sugar levels at the doctor, that's just a snapshot of that one moment in time. It's not telling you what actually was happening throughout the day all the time. What makes Nutrisense truly transformative is its ability to create lasting habits and intrinsic motivation. So instead of relying on generic advice from professionals or online sources or us, you have personalized real-time data from your own body. When you see the direct impact of your choices, it will resonate on a whole new level. This newfound awareness becomes the driving force, making it easier than ever to stay motivated and committed to your health journey. I promise you friends, it's like opening your eyes to the secret to lasting change because it gives you this empowering knowledge that you just didn't have before. So if you're looking to take charge of your health, gain real insights into your body and make sustainable, positive changes, Nutrisense is your ultimate partner. Join them and us on this journey of discovery and unlock your full health potential. Get started today at Nutrisense.com slash podcast and receive a $30 discount off of your first month, which includes two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support. That's nutrisense.com slash IF podcast for a $30 discount off your first month with two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support, which by the way, I get a lot of feedback on just how helpful that nutritionist support is. It's so easy. You can talk to them in real time in the app and they can really help you make sense of all the data that you receive from your continuous glucose monitor. Nutrisense.com slash IF podcast. And I am just so grateful to Nutrisense for helping support today's show. Just as a side note, I think it's really important to get, I don't know how often you should do this, but going to a dermatologist and just having them check your entire body for any potentially cancerous growth on your skin can be really helpful. My mom actually recently went through that and they did find one and they had to like, you know, take out a whole chunk of skin and not to say it's fine, but it can be fine if they find it early. That's why getting those checks can be really important. It's really intense though, how much skin they have to take off just to like, even if you have just like a tiny little freckle with, you know, a cancerous potential. And they have to get clear margins. Yeah. I had, they thought I had a squamous cell on my forehead this summer. And so they took a, like a punch biopsy. It turned out to be fine. But you definitely want to be getting your skin shocks every year. And, you know, to do them well, you have to be pretty undressed. So if they're doing it and you're just sitting on an exam table and you're not in a paper gown without your bra and your underwear on, then they're doing you a disservice, quite honestly. Now I'm inspired. I need to go get one. This is inspiring. (laughs) This is action. This podcast is having effects on my life. Yes. Take action, people. Yes. I'll do it. You guys do too. Okay. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. So this question comes from Rachel. The subject is weight loss too slow. And Rachel says, hello, IF community. I've been clean fasting now for about six months. And although I have lost some weight and inches, I feel very defeated and that the weight I am looking to shed is just not coming off fast enough. Sort of looking for ideas on how to get the process moving quicker. Here is normally what I do each week. 20 to a 22 hour fast each day with no more than a three to four hour eating window, sometimes two. I try and do a mealless Monday with about a 42 hour fast a couple times a month. My fast is completely clean with just water and black coffee. I try and limit my carb intake, although I am not completely rigid. I do feel great with fasting and I know you need to eat what feels good to you, but maybe I am not making great choices. I'm normally a pretty healthy eater lots of veggies, not a lot of meat, but just sort of feeling stuck. 
I had had a few medical things this past year, and I wonder if my body is busy healing rather than shedding weight. Thanks for reading and hope to hear back. Love all the books and the podcasts, by the way. Best, Rachel. Well, Rachel, thank you for your question. And I mean, there's a lot of different variables here. You know, when I, I see that you've been clean fasting and you're frustrated with weight loss resistance, I really start with the basics. What is your sleep like? How are you managing stress? Are you consuming an anti-inflammatory diet? I know you mentioned you're trying to limit your carb intake. And I do encourage women, if they're weight loss resistant, to actually track their macros, like to know what you're really eating. And Chronometer is a free app. They really do a nice job, but I would track total carbs, not net. Net is a cheat. That's a byproduct of the processed food industry in order to deflect attention to what we really need to be tracking. I would make sure you're eating enough protein, especially if you've got a very narrow feeding window. That's another concern. Your body may think you're not eating enough food. That's why I think those OMAD situations can be problematic. You can further slow your metabolism, especially if you're not seeing some degree of weight loss or changes in body composition. I think a great deal about are you lifting weights? What's your gut health like? And obviously testing is helpful for that. What toxins are you exposed to? And then you mentioned that you're you're doing a clean fast, you're limiting your carbs, you're not eating a lot of meat. It doesn't per se have to be meat. It could be poultry, it could be fish, it could be eggs. All can be helpful. And then you mentioned you've had some medical things going on and I don't know what they are. So it's hard to say, you know, if there's a degree of inflammation going on in the body, if you're healing from a surgery or healing from an illness. I also don't know from your question how old you are. So if you're 35 or 40, things can get a little more complicated as you get older. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. So there's definitely, you know, things to think about. I don't like any women to get really rigid and do the same thing every single day. So varying your fast is important, making sure you're sleeping, making sure you're managing your stress getting enough protein in, tracking your carbohydrates. You know, alcohol is a sneaky thing. And for some people, they don't even register that our bodies will process alcohol as a toxin. So if you eat a big meal and you have a couple glasses of wine, your body's going to prioritize processing the alcohol before it processes the rest of the food, which can get stored as fat. So a lot of things to think about. You know, certainly you can write us back and, and give us a little bit more information, but that's you know, kind of my first pass at your question is that there's there are other things that are going on. We get healthy to lose weight. So we haven't yet determined what's going on. And, and if you're really struggling that much, I would encourage you to see your primary care provider, get some lab work done, find out what's going on with your thyroid, find out where you are, you know, in your cycle that can also impact success. I think that would really be helpful. You know, looking at a fasting insulin, I talk about this a lot, maybe get a glucometer or a CGM to determine how good is your blood sugar control? You may think that you're doing really well with your food choices, but then you find out that you've got a sustained high blood sugar all day long and your body perceives that you're under significant stress and duress. And so looking and getting a little bit granular about some of those things, I think would be very helpful. I thought that was very comprehensive. Yeah. I, so I'm just thinking if she's doing a one meal a day situation with you know no more than a three to four hour eating window, sometimes two, like she says... And she's purposely not eating a lot of meat and having a lot of veggies. So that's a lot of volume. It's hard for me to see how she's getting a lot of protein (laughs) in that window. And protein is the most satiating nutrient. It's the nutrient that provides the most, you know, building structure for the body. And also from a metabolic standpoint is very, you know, it stimulates metabolism. It actually requires energy to break down. So sort of exciting when people 
are at this place where they have the potential to increase the protein because I think they can potentially see a huge difference if they focus on that specifically, especially when it comes to shedding the weight. So either adding in protein or switching out some of what you're eating for protein rich sources instead, I think might have a a huge effect on that. I've also found that, and I don't want to make a judgment either way, but sometimes people kind of indicate that maybe they they know that there could be better food choices that might work better, but I think they just need somebody to tell them that. And it's hard to know if that's the situation, but it's language like, I know you need to eat what feels good to you, but maybe I'm not making great choices or I'm normally a pretty healthy eater. And so it might be that you are making great choices and you are a pretty healthy eater, or it could be that maybe there are some things in there that you know aren't serving you as much as they could be. So that's more like a psychology of it. There's a lot of potential there for making changes in what you're actually eating. In addition to all of the lifestyle things that Cynthia pointed out. Absolutely. Alrighty. Shall we go on to the next question? Yes. This question is from Darcy. Hi, I cheated on my diet while I was supposed to be fasting. Can I just do a 48 hour fast to help get back on track? Thank you. So I love this question because I think it's one of the shortest questions we've answered on the podcast that actually speaks to something that is a huge topic. (laughs) And it's the idea, well, first of all, can you do a 48-hour fast to help you get back on track? Yes, you can do anything. And the reason I'm pointing that out is people write us all the time. I think I talked about this recently on another question, on another episode, but it's like people think they need permission to do things in their life from, I don't know, from us, from like society. You don't need permission from anybody to do anything. I just want to put that out there. So you can, yes, you can. The question would be, would that be a good thing to do? I think like that's the framing I would put on it. So I have very mixed feelings about all of this. In general, I think there's a huge benefit to having an intermittent fasting pattern that works for you. And if you have a one-off situation where you quote cheated, well, first of all, I think we should reframe it and not even see it as cheating because I mean, what is cheating? Like, what does that even mean? You just chose to eat something that wasn't in line with maybe what makes you feel best instead. Like it's not really cheating in my opinion. I think semantics are really important in how we frame these things. If you have a moment where you ate things that don't agree with you or that are inflammatory or that you feel the need to atone for, which goes back to that cheating language. So you can fast longer and that will very likely help with you know, reducing inflammation, getting you back into the fat burning state, it can have a very positive, beneficial, beautiful effect. I encourage people to fast longer if they think it'll make them feel better. The sticky thing is I don't want people doing that out of fear and out of a feeling that they have to fast to undo what they did because it can very quickly become a disordered eating mindset. It it can very quickly become over-restrictive. So in the ideal world, people would, you know, follow the diet that works best for them. And maybe they have moments where for whatever reason, they're going to eat foods that 
you know, are going to have side effects and are going to have, are going to make them not feel so good on the flip side. And that's okay too. And how you deal with that is okay. You can just keep on keeping on with your normal fasting window. If fasting longer physically makes you feel better. I mean, I think that's fine. I just think people can get into a pattern, like a, a binge fast cycle where they're either binging or having these foods that make them feel bad and then responding with an atoning long fast. I think it can quickly spiral into a a mindset that can feel like you're in a trap. Like we want fasting to be freedom for people. We want it to be a good thing. We want it to bring benefits to people's life and enhance their life and make them feel better. We don't want fear and insecurity and feeling like it's something they have to do to make up for their choices. So yeah, I could go on and on about it. But Cynthia, what are your thoughts? I think our external dialogue is reflective of our internal dialogue. And when you say you cheated on a diet, it's very pejorative. You're judging yourself. And in fact, what you should say is, today, I didn't eat as ideally as I would like to. And tomorrow is a new day. So reframing that whole judgment of yourself is really important. We have to give ourselves grace. You know, none of us are perfect. I have days where my macros are a mess. I always reframe it as like, okay, tomorrow's a new day. I'm not going to, I'm not going to perseverate or, or overthink it. I'm just going to make tomorrow a better day. I'm going to make better choices tomorrow. Now, when we, you know, blow the mother load, if you will, on a meal or a whole day of not eating ideally, the things that I think are important to lean into is adequate sleep, lots of hydration, eating lots of green things. And by that, I mean, you know, salad and, you know, if you tolerate non-starchy vegetables, hitting your protein macros, getting some exercise. And if it's appropriate for you, you can do a longer fast, but you shouldn't punish yourself. I think a lot of people, it's this self-flagellation behavior where we feel like we really have to treat ourselves unkindly. And human nature is we are not going to be perfect. You know, life is perfectly imperfect. And so, Darcy, I'd really encourage you to reframe those thoughts and to be kind to yourself. And obviously, you don't need our permission to, to do a longer fast, but there's lots of different ways to get yourself back on track when you've not eaten as ideally as you would like to. And first and foremost is that mindset piece. So the judgmental way that you're describing what you did, I would encourage you to say today wasn't the best day and that's okay. And tomorrow I'm going to get back on track. And that's really the way to reframe it and move forward. Yes, we are on the same page. It's tricky because like, I just think that mindset is so, so key the way you described it and the way I was describing it. And and I also want people to have the agency and the freedom to, you know, fast if they want. And I, th- I think you can do both. Like you can fast to help yourself feel better from, you know, whatever happened, but it can just so quickly become, you know, like judging yourself and restrictive and atoning. And that's not what I think it should be about. Shall we go on to our next question? Absolutely. So Deborah wants to know what about toothpaste? Deborah says, I end my window in the early evening, but sometimes forget to brush right away. Later, I get ready for bed and need to brush. I use baking soda a lot, but once in a while, Dr. Bronner's peppermint paste, not lately because it's a flavoring. Is baking soda okay, Deb? And okay, I'm excited about this conversation because Cynthia, have we talked about toothpaste, you and I on this show? I think we have. Oh, we have. I do feel like we have. Wow. Fail. Because I know Jen and I talked about it a lot. I couldn't remember what you've said you brush your teeth with. 
Yeah, I use Primal Life Organics. And I actually right now have the unflavored variety because my kids, we were trying to get them on board and they didn't love the powder as opposed to a paste. And so I ended up taking it and using it. You know, in regards to Deborah's question, unless you are swallowing your toothpaste, I don't want anyone listening to feel like they have to stress about brushing their teeth because we all need to do that. And baking soda is fine. I think as long as you're not swallowing it, like toddlers, when we have toddlers and we have to remind them to spit it out and not swallow it, I think you're completely okay. If you're using a cleaner product like Primal Life Organics, as an example, and we'll we'll link up the affiliate code for that, they're completely clean products. There's no junk. There's no artificial anything, artificial sugars, et cetera, no fluoride. And we'll link up the podcast I did with Trina Felber. She's another advanced practice nurse who has kind of created this whole clean mouth line, which I'm obsessed with and think it's really fantastic. But with regard to Deborah's question, brush your teeth, spit out the toothpaste, and don't stress about it. That's my feeling. I think this is like one of those things that should be no stress. It's like if you have to brush your teeth in your fasting window, no big deal. I do it all the time. Totally fine. What do you think? I feel the same way. And it's interesting. I think toothpaste is one of the places where I can really see an evolution in my should I use the word neurosis? Like I, like it was one of the first things that I went through a period where I was like, oh, I have to like, I have to like make my own and like order kale and clay and order, you know, and like mix it up myself. And I went from that to, I really don't stress about it as much anymore. I found a few that I really like. I was doing the tooth powders for a long time. I found them a little bit messy for me. And I finally went back to tubed toothpaste and I actually use a few different ones, but, uh, if you want a tube toothpaste, it doesn't have really any sweet flavor to it. It's well, it is salt toothpaste. I love that toothpaste. It is so strong and it has no sweet flavor, which is really hard to find. But I agree with Cynthia that I also love Primal Life Organics. So that's a great plug. And we will put links in the show notes to that. But yes, I agree with Cynthia. Like, don't stress about it. And baking soda is completely fine. So exactly. All right. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. This question is from Anne and the subject is digestive enzymes. I love listening to your podcast while I'm doing chores around the house. I only have 30 episodes left. I love this. I have a question about taking digestive enzymes. I had my gallbladder removed about 13 years ago. Ever since that, I've dealt with stomach cramps and having to go to the bathroom after eating a heavy meal, especially if it was the first meal of the day. Before my surgery, I had no stomach issues. I could literally eat anything, anywhere, anytime with no worries. I had come to think that the stomach issues were just a normal side effect of the surgery and I just had to deal with them. However, I started talking to friends and family who've had their gallbladder removed and realized they did not deal with this problem like I do. I heard you mention digestive enzymes on the podcast and I did some research and decided to give them a try. I've been taking them for about a month and they've helped so much. I go to the bathroom like a normal person now and don't have to worry about stomach issues after eating. Here is my question. I have been doing intermittent fasting for a year. I do mostly OMAD with no restrictions. I've lost about 30 pounds. It has been slow, but I feel great and not restricted at all. I've never been able to stay on a diet this long and have even been on several vacations and have been able to get back on track easily. About the time I started taking the enzymes, my weight plateaued and I felt like I even gained a couple pounds. My weight loss has yo-yoed up and down the whole time, but not like this. I'm just wondering if the enzymes are helping me absorb fats that previously my body could not, and that has something to do with the plateaus. I haven't changed my eating habits at all. 
I definitely don't want to stop taking the enzymes because of how much they have helped me. And I'm sure this is healthier for my body, but I'm just curious. I would like to lose about 50 more pounds. Thank you so much for all the great information you provide, Anne. All right, Anne, thank you for your question. I think this is a great question. I've thought about it more in regards to like, (laughs) so I eat a lot of fruit as listeners know, like pounds of fruit every night. And I've gone through different levels of taking digestive enzymes with it. Like at one point I was taking barely any, and then other times I've been taking a lot. And I've noticed that when I take a lot, I take the fruit, well, A, I get like no digestive issues from it. And, but it really breaks down the fruit, like not to be TMI, but I can see the difference in my bowel movements from how it's affecting the fruit. And so I've been concerned about the like sugar release from that. I'm like, am I actually turning the fruit into more like fruit juice in me because I'm breaking down the fiber with the digestive enzymes? I don't want to scare people away from digestive enzymes, but I just wanted to speak to how I, I have thought about the nuance of this. And to clarify, I tend to go really extreme. So I would take like tons of digestive enzymes. I wouldn't be concerned about this if it was just like a very small or actually probably even normal dosing. That said, I have also thought about this more in relation to Anne's question, probably historically, not so much with the enzymes, but with people, especially when I was really having a lot of GI issues and gut health, I would spend hours and hours and hours in Facebook groups about SIBO and IBS and things like this. And people would share stories about having like leaky gut and having issues with their gut health and then gaining weight from healing their gut. And presumably that's from absorbing more food, like absorbing more nutrients. So I can completely see if you went from a state where you weren't really absorbing your food and then you're taking these enzymes and now you are absorbing your food. Yeah, I could see how that would make your weight plateau and or even gain depending on what you're eating, which kind of comes back to what I feel like I always come back to on this show, which is the enzymes are working for you. That's great. I would keep using them. Like this is awesome. And you seem to be on that page. If the weight gain is a concern, and even if it's not, I would mitigate that or address that with the actual food choices, which she doesn't mention. She just says that she hasn't changed her eating habits, but she doesn't mention what those are. So that's what I would look to. Oh, I got it. I do mostly one meal a day with no restrictions. Okay. So it sounds like you're eating just, if there's no restrictions, I'm guessing it could even be like standard American diet. If that's the case, there is so much potential here for A, both having wonderful and improved digestion with these enzymes and B, not plateauing and not gaining and you know maybe even losing weight by making some conscious decisions around the food that you are putting in your body. So if there's no restrictions right now, I mean, you could just start it very basic, which would be shifting from just not having processed foods. Like, so like, you know, not have to worry about like macros or even the types of foods, but like shifting to a whole foods-based diet that could have a huge, huge impact on your, not only your weight, but your health in general. And then a lot of people in in our audience already exist within that whole foods type paradigm. And then that's when I think you can move to the next step of like a a macro-based approach of like low carb or low fat, for example. Yes. Especially if you have 50 pounds to lose. Yeah. I would definitely look at the food choices. I would keep the enzymes 
look at the food choices. What are your thoughts, Cynthia? That was a really comprehensive answer. You know, it's interesting in my patients that have had their gallbladders out, I typically have found tremendous success with ox blood or bile salts. That's usually a starting point for them versus digestive enzymes. And a lot of that has to do is when your gallbladder is removed, you still produce bile, but it just drips all day long. So most of my cholecystectomy patients, which is the fancy word for gallbladder removal, most of them really struggle with either constipation or diarrhea. And if Anne is finding that she's feeling better on digestive enzymes, you know, I I would stick with what she's doing because she feels better. Yes. And I don't know Anne's age, but we start absorbing less nutrients as we get older. That's why we actually need more protein as middle-aged people. So Anne could be young, but I'm guessing she's probably at least middle-aged just based on the fact that the way she's describing things. The other thing I think about is, you know, OMAD and, you know, weight plateaus. I start thinking about the fact that, you know, your body might have just gotten to a point where with just only one meal a day, you're not getting enough macros in. You may need to change things up. I always say when you hit a plateau, it's time to change things up, either tracking your macros to see very, you know, clearly how much protein you're eating a day. Are you overeating fats? Are you eating too many carbs? How's your sleep? How's your stress management? Are you lifting weights? You know, as people start losing weight, sometimes they want to get more physically active. Do you take walks? Where are you in your menstrual cycle? Or are you no longer menstruating? Those kinds of things are very helpful, but I would say shaking things up is going to be very important. And then giving consideration, you know, most of my patients with a cholecystectomy really benefit from ox blood or bile salts. These are supplements you can get over the counter and those have been hugely impactful. Oh, by the way, have you ever taken Cynthia ox bile or anything like that? I have. I have. You know, I tend to be, you know, I think every, probably the listeners know that in 2018, I got the worst food poisoning in my life in Morocco picked up a parasite and then ended up six months later having a 13-day hospitalization. So my gut has really been ravaged over the last several years. And I've been told by my providers that I've had episodes of bat malabsorption. So have I ever taken it? Yes. What we've kind of worked on is artichoke. You know, an artichoke extract is actually a little more gentle than traditional digestive enzymes. And and the more I've learned, the more I understand that there's so much bioindividuality like you may able may be able to take a really strong digestive enzyme, which for me would just not work. And so there's a little bit of give and take. But yes, I have tried ox blood and bile salts. I do and have had episodically. I'm not someone that tolerates like a lot of animal fat. So lean meat, I do much better with. And I think my gut microbiome really took a massive hit in 2018 into 2019. So I'm definitely very carefully navigating what I add in to support digestion. How about you? Have you tried it? I went through a period where I was using it. Like you, I favor lean meat. So I didn't really see the need for it specifically, not being on as high of a high fat diet. I'm glad you brought that up about the individuality with the digestive enzymes. This is a very vague teaser, but I think after we get out the next few supplements that we have, I have a really big supplement idea project that I want to do that's going to relate to bioindividuality with digestive enzymes. I think it's probably going to be my big supplement project of 2023. So people get excited. So yeah, but it's so true because especially with the digestive enzymes, because goodness knows I have tried so many different ones and it really is about finding the one that works for you and that suits your personal digestion. 
related to digestion, we have a question from Alyssa. She says, IF and digestive changes. And Alyssa says, I am new to IF about three weeks in doing a 17-7 window, and I have never had any sensitivities to food. I have found since starting IF, my stomach has become sensitive. As soon as I open my eating window and start eating, I find myself nauseous and bloated. I have experimented with many different types of foods, tried eliminating different food groups to see what is triggering this and always have the same outcome. I have also had increased problems with loose bowel movements since starting IF. I'm wondering if my body is just taking longer to get used to this new eating pattern and if this is a common finding among new IFers. I definitely want to make this a lifestyle as I have researched and researched and I found nothing but good information, but the stomach issues are such a turnoff. I think I've lost a little weight, but at this point, I really just want to get a handle on the way I feel and focus on weight loss as a secondary concern. I have about 25 pounds to lose, but I did lose 40 before discovering IF, but hit a plateau for several months. I'm 29 and a half, not willing to claim 30 just yet female and have two kids ages one and two, if that information means anything to you. So continuing the digestive issue conversation, thoughts? Alyssa, well, I think that there's obviously something going on. I would start with lighter foods, try some bone broth to break a fast. I would have a light salad. I would gauge to see if it's certain types of foods that are exacerbating your loose stools. I actually had a really good podcast with Megan Ramos, and we kind of talked about troubleshooting some of these issues. And I just find that breaking the fast with a lighter meal or backing off on fasting entirely, you know, you're talking about a 17-7, you know, maybe, especially as a 29-year-old female, you shouldn't be fasting right before your menstrual cycle. I would really try to give yourself a solid week in your follicular phase, which is after your bleed week, and see how you food, trying a little more protein, not doing as much, you know, uncooked vegetables, light, light, light stuff, and see how you feel. Yeah. Something that I'm focusing in on is the fact that she said she never had sensitivities to food, and now she does. And I think, so this actually could be very helpful. It could be a flashlight situation. It's possible that you were having inflammatory reactions to food, but you just weren't realizing it until IF kind of like paved the way for you to have that moment where you actually saw how your body was reacting to food, which I think a lot of people do experience that, which is a good thing, I think. So I love Cynthia's suggestion. Definitely check out that episode with Megan Ramos. I'd be curious, you said you've tried many different types of foods and you've tried eliminating different food groups. I'd be curious the extent to which you have tried a elimination protocol as like an actual protocol because I've interviewed a lot of people who talk about elimination diets to solve these issues and a consistent theme with all of them. I'm thinking of like Dr. Will Cole. I'm thinking of Dr. Peter Gazelski. I'm sure quite a few others. A consistent theme is like really doing it properly, like actually committing to this short-term elimination diet rather than just kind of like casually, you know, like eliminating one thing here because there, well, A, <laughs> the effects of food could probably last, you know, up to three days as far as just like, you know, for some people, the transit time and just the effects from that food. So if it's a casual approach to eliminating things, you might not be able to see a difference if you just eliminate one thing one night and see how you react. And there's so many factors, so many factors involved. I think taking a conscious approach to an elimination diet might be helpful. It is possible that 
your body is still adjusting because it has been about three weeks. I would love to hear if things have changed, but yes, 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 yes. I do think a lot of people do experience this and there's a lot of potential to find the answer. And so something that might be a game changer. This is something that I'm definitely, definitely, definitely going to make my own version of in the future because it's something that when I go through issues, especially with feeling like my stomach is sensitive and reacting to foods like right when eating, there are different blends that involve L-glutamine. And when taken on an empty stomach, it can really help rapidly heal the gut particularly L-glutamine as well as DGL, which is D, I don't even know how you say it, deglycerinated licorice extract. So the one I take right now, and I have got to make a version of this, it is shocking how much it helps me. I would love to hear, Alyssa, if you take this, if this really, really helps you. So it's called Gut Assist. It's by Dr. Danielle, you can get it on Amazon. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Like right now, it has 6,337 reviews and four and a half stars. So it is a combination of L-glutamine, of something called arabinogalactan, and then that DJL as well as some aloe vera. I would definitely, definitely try that. And then also stay tuned because I'm definitely going to make my own in the future. So if you want to get updates about that, you can go to avalonx.us slash email list. And you can also text avalonx to 877-861-8318. That will get you text updates as well as a 20% off coupon code. So definitely check that out. Okay. Any other thoughts from you, Cynthia? No, I think you did a great job. You as well. (laughs) Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 290. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 10% off my new magnesium supplement. Magnesium is such a crucial mineral in the body. It's involved in over 600 enzymatic processes. Basically, everything that you do requires magnesium, including creating energy from your food, turning it into ATP in the mitochondria, boosting your antioxidant system. Magnesium has been shown to help with the creation of glutathione, regulating your blood sugar levels, affecting nerve health, muscle recovery, muscle contractions, supporting cardiovascular health and blood pressure, aiding sleep and relaxation and so much more. It's estimated that up to two-thirds of Americans do not get the daily recommended levels of magnesium. And on top of that, magnesium deficiencies can often be silent because only 1% of magnesium is actually in our bloodstream. So that might not be reflective of a true magnesium deficiency. Our modern soils are depleted of magnesium. We're not getting it in our diet. That's why it can be so crucial to supplement with magnesium daily. I wanted to make the best magnesium on the market, and that is what magnesium 8 is. It contains eight forms of magnesium in their most absorbable forms so you can truly boost your magnesium levels. It comes with the cofactor methylated B6 to help with absorption as well as chelated manganese because magnesium can actually displace manganese in the body. My Avalon X supplements are free of all problematic fillers, including rice, which is very, very common in a lot of supplements, including some popular magnesium supplements on the market. It's tested multiple times for purity and potency and to be free of all common allergens 
as well as free of heavy metals and mold. And it comes in a glass bottle to help prevent leaching of toxins into our bodies and the environment. Friends, I wanted to make the best magnesium on the market, and that is what this magnesium is. You can get magnesium 8 at avalonx.us and use the coupon code MelanieAvalon to get 10% off your order. That code will also work on all my supplements, including my first supplement that I made, serapeptase. You guys love serapeptase, a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm that breaks down problematic proteins in your body and can help allergies, inflammation, wound healing, clear up your skin, clear brain fog, even reduce cholesterol and amyloid plaque. All of this is at avalonx.us. That coupon code Melanie Avalon will also get you 10% off site-wide from my amazing partner, MD Logic Health. For that, just go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. You can also get on my email list for all of the updates. That's at avalonx.us slash email list. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are I have podcast. I am Melanie Avalon. Cynthia is Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. And I think that is all the things. Anything from you before we go? No, this has been fantastic as always. I agree. And keep the good questions coming and we will talk to everybody next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.